0: Well, hello. As Mike said, I'm Matt. It's really great to see you all. I'll be the 51st person to wish you a happy Christmas. It's really good to see you. I've actually wanted to speak on Christmas Day for as long as I can remember. So this is a bit of a dream come true for me. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I know that I will. (laughs) And I also want to take the opportunity just to welcome all of our international visiting friends. It's really great to see you. I'm going to do my best as we go through to explain anything that might seem strange um, or that you wouldn't be used to. But if I don't do that well, just come and ask me at the end, okay? So I want to start by telling you a true story. You're going to have to cast your minds back six years to 2008. Excuse the voice break. I spent the Christmas with my wife's family. At the time, we were only engaged. And they lived in an old vicarage in a small village called Scorton. Now a vicarage is a house where a Church of England minister would live. And this meant that at the end of their garden was an old church. Now if you look in your books, it's the first picture. That's the church in Scorton. It's quite pretty, isn't it? That's the church where the vicar would have worked in. Now imagine it's 2008, and let's say that you decide to join me and my wife to go and visit this church on Christmas Day. And as you approach the old stone walls, you look up and see the spire, you see a gate before you, that's the next picture. And as you head through that gate, shivering in the brisk December air, you think to yourself, I wonder how many people have made this journey on Christmas Day? Before you know it, you're inside. You can see the stone pillars on your left, this is the third picture. You can see the stained glass windows in front of you. You sit down on the pews with expectation, waiting to hear the message. As the vicar stands to speak, you can see your own breath in the cold. As you wait for his words to stir your heart and your soul, you wonder what's he going to say. The moment arrives. He stands. And what words of hope does he offer? What glad tidings does he bring? What does he tell us about? Well, he tells us about two trees. He tells us about two trees. One tree becomes the manger of baby Jesus and the other becomes the cross that he died upon. He spoke for four minutes and then he sat down. We went home and that was it. There was no hope, no glad tidings There was no point. And that, sadly, is the common Christmas experience for most British people. For many, Christmas is about nice stories that make you feel warm for about five seconds and then they fade away. And I vowed on that day that if I ever had the chance to speak on Christmas Day, I would do better than two trees. Here we are. At Grace Church, we're thinking about the good gifts that God brings us. This is the third talk in that series. It's my first chance to speak on Christmas Day, and our topic today is two trees. (laughs) Two trees. Yeah, two trees. But more specifically, we're speaking about gifts under the tree or gifts on the tree. Because the meaning of Christmas does involve a tree, but you have to decide which one. Is it the Christmas trees that we find in most British homes Or the tree found just outside Jerusalem 2,000 years ago? I wonder which it is for you. Well, for millions of people in Manchester, Christmas is all about what we find underneath the Christmas tree. Yes, it's the season of good cheer. And yes, it's the time to be jolly. Yes, it's time to take stock of everything that we've been given. Yes, it's time to spend with our families and enjoy their company and our loved ones. It's all those things, and that's what makes Christmas brilliant. But mostly, it's about what we get, isn't it? It's about what's under the tree for me. That's what all the bus adverts tell us, isn't it? Treat yourself this Christmas too. Fill in the blank. I can't wait to find out what's there. So let me ask, what did you get for Christmas? And this is that awkward part where I'm expecting some participation, so (laughs) I'm just gonna let you know what my expectations are before we get awkward with each other. So, I got a footstool from my wife that I've been wanting for a long time. I was really excited. So, I've actually started for 10. Let's have some other, some other ideas. Maureen, what did you get? A slow cooker. You got a slow cooker? That is very exciting. Socks. Socks. There's reason. Love it. More socks from Jeff. Socks. Socks. I'm noticing a pattern over here. Nothing for better? <laughs> we'll sort that out later, don't <laughs> worry. Kindle Fire, HDX. HDX, wow, John. <laughs> Love it. That's putting my iPad <coughs> to shame, isn't it? <laughs> That's all brilliant. And obviously, children, we saw what you guys got. Josh was very excited to get his cars and the fire engine today. And all those presents are great. Maybe you don't feel that way about the socks, but I'm actually wearing Christmas socks from three years ago. <laughs> those presents are great. And we're lucky to receive them, aren't we? No wonder so many of us think that Christmas is about getting something. And do you know what? That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. (coughs) Christmas is about what we get. (coughs) Let me repeat myself just to be clear. Christmas is all about what we get. Mm. Surprised? Well, let me try and prove it to you. Let's have a look at those Bible passages again that Mike read out for us. We'll look at the first one. Now Joseph got a bit of a surprise on Christmas Day too. Because his fiancé was pregnant and he wasn't the dad. (laughs) That's not the greatest Christmas present. Now Matthew the writer helpfully tells us that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. But Joseph had no way of knowing that. So he made these plans to break it off. Then we read in verse 20. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph learns that the child is from God. The wedding is still on. And more, this child is a gift to mankind. Did you notice what the angel said? Call him Jesus. Now that means God saves. And he said, call him Jesus because he will save his people from their (coughs) sins. And then we get that extra detail. This birth had been predicted hundreds of years earlier. He was also going to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, as we've seen, Jesus means God saves, and we call him Jesus. We don't call him Emmanuel. So how is it that he's also known as God with us? Well, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God, and he came to be with us. And so people did say that he was called Emmanuel people did say that he was called God with us. But how could a baby save people from their sins? And why do we need a baby to do that? (coughs) Well, uh, the, the last reading that we had from Galatians gives us the clues. Let's read that. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Now Christ is another name for Jesus and this passage tells us that Jesus saves his people from a curse and that means if we put the two passages together our sins are a curse to us and Jesus saves us by being hung on a tree that refers to when Jesus died on the cross he became cursed for us he took our sins for us and they were punished in him And only Jesus can do this. Only Jesus can take the curse of millions of people because he's God. So I'm a person, a normal person. I can stand in place of another person. So if Tim did something wrong, I could stand in Tim's place. But I can't stand in place of all of you. I'm just a person. But Jesus can do that because he's God. And his life is far more valuable than mine or any of ours. We need Jesus to do this because we've all displeased God. We've all offended God by ignoring him. None more so than at Christmas. The curse of the law is the requirement to live a good and a righteous life with God. It's the requirement to live a good and a righteous life with God. Now we think I can do that. I can live a good life. We think I can be good. I can treat people well. But we don't want God. We simply don't want Jesus in the equation. But what is Christmas really like without Jesus? What is Christmas like if it's all about presents and food and family? When I was eight, I loved Transformers. My friends could tell you this. My wife laughed this morning because she said <coughs> still do. I loved Transformers, they're really cool. There's a picture on the back of this booklet of one. Now, Transformers are robots that can change into a vehicle. Could be a car, could be a fire engine, could be an aeroplane, or it could be a lorry like this. I'm sure you all agree that these are the coolest things that ever existed. And I really wanted one for Christmas, specifically that one in that picture. 1993 was the year. Expectation was in the air. I knew my parents had bought it for me. I was so excited. I dreamed about playing with it. This is true. I used to go to sleep and dream about playing with it. I drew countless pictures of how good it would look in my room. And I was counting down the days. I had a check-off list. You see, Christmas 1993, for me, was all about Optimus Prime. But... Power Rangers were also really popular. That's the picture above the Optimus Prime. Now, the Power Rangers knew Kung Fu, they protected the Earth from evil aliens, and they got to wear brightly coloured spandex. (laughs) What eight-year-old boy wouldn't want to be a Power Ranger? (laughs) I wanted to be a Power Ranger. I really liked them too. Christmas morning arrived. Paper was everywhere. It was carnage. When the dust and the ribbon had settled, I discovered that my parents... Had bought me loads of Power Rangers toys, like a mountain of them. I was really surprised. I hadn't been expecting it. It was so great. But there was no Transformer. My birthday was a few days, a few weeks later, and my parents had decided to save it. My mum, in particular, loved to give presents rather than receive them. For her, Christmas was all about family getting together and her expressing her love through those gifts under the tree. And I turned around and said, Thanks, Mum. Trying to be casual. Where's the the Transformer? (laughs) How do you think she felt? She didn't feel good. I didn't notice the pain in her eyes, but it hurt her really badly. And I'm genuinely still ashamed today of the way that I behaved. Mike's laughter is... Showing that I should be. (laughs) Now that's not a pretty picture of Christmas, is it? Not just because I was selfish, but also because my mum was giving those presents to make herself feel good too. Is that what we want our Christmases to be like? Because that's what Christmas is doomed to be if it's all about what we get under the tree. If we make Christmas all about the presents, and all about the food, and all about the family, and all about how we feel, then it's really all about us. Christmas is all about me. And that is ugly. Jesus knew this. That's why in that middle reading, he warned people about what they treasure. He warned them about what they hope and delight in. He said, be careful. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Okay? If you put your treasure and your heart in stuff here on earth, it's going to fade. It's going to diminish. It's going to go rotten. I still have a few of my transformers. I've got five of them. And they're battered, faded, and broken. They don't last. If our hearts are with earthly things that deteriorate, like transformers then our hearts are gonna go rotten as well, like mine did when I was eight. Christmas without Jesus is rotten and broken and ugly. Let me ask you, is that glad tidings? Is that a message of good cheer? Is that what you want? At Christmas time, God has offered us this Jesus. He is the most precious gift. He's the most important gift. And let me tell you, he is the most expensive gift in the history of mankind. And he comes on a tree, not underneath it. (coughs) But like so many others at Christmas, this gift is often unwanted. We don't appreciate what we've been offered in that small baby. Jesus is God with us. Not God aware of us. God is not up in the sky liking us on Facebook and then going and doing his own thing. That's not what he's like. He doesn't keep distance. God is with us. He cares about what we do. He cares about how we live. He cares about us. He wants to rescue us from that curse. Not just like it and watch us dance into destruction. He wants to rescue us. Because like Christmas, when life is all about us, it's ugly. No, Jesus is the God who came down and got his hands dirty and they still bear the scars. God came down to be with us. He came there to be there for us. He came there to be there instead of us. Took our place. He came. That is Jesus. That is God. And that's good news. That's glad tidings. That is a message to warm your heart. We can't ignore Jesus, and why would you want to? Jesus shows us a better way. He shows us what it's like to live your life for someone other than yourself. And it's actually beautiful. Jesus' decision to save us shows us God's love. And that love warms our hearts. And if we accept Jesus, it becomes our treasure. Because he saved us. And that's what we treasure. And that transforms our priorities that actually transforms the goals for our lives. That transforms the way we treat other people and it transforms and redeems our rotten, horrible hearts. It gives us hope that Jesus loves us and will provide what we need. After all, he provided the savior himself. It gives us true peace, peace that shows that we don't need expensive presents or food or approval or success just to take away the feelings of emptiness that consume us. We don't need those things to feel safe or satisfied. We don't need them to tell us that we're doing well or that, we've, that we're worth it. In fact, we can just enjoy those things instead. Because Jesus' love, and this is the great thing about it at Christmas, his love, his gift, actually frees us to enjoy those gifts under the tree and not be enslaved by them. His gift puts all the others in their place as merely a signpost to the ultimate gift of God with us. So will your speakers, that's a signpost of God with you. My footstool is just a signpost of the ultimate gift of Jesus coming. Your slow cooker, Maureen, that is a signpost that Jesus came to be with us. Now doesn't that sound good? Isn't that the Christmas that we all want? So let me finish by just saying, Christmas isn't meaningless. Christmas is God's declaration to a needy and ugly, broken world. That he came for you. Mm. This message is glad tidings. This message is worth celebrating. So, happy Christmas.